thank you for listening to this programme from the Forever Manchester Radio and Podcast Network. Forever Manchester is a charity that raises money to fund and support community activity across Greater Manchester. Check out forevermanchester.com to find out more. Are you from round here? Do you live round here? Do you work round here? Do you love it round here? So why not run for round here? and help make a real difference to the lives of others across the region. We're asking you to run for Round Here and raise money for Forever Manchester so that we can support fantastic communities and projects across Greater Manchester now and forever. So whether you're an experienced runner, an occasional runner, a running newbie or a fun runner, raising money for Forever Manchester will be great fun, great exercise and a great thing to do for your community. Because the money you raise stays local. It supports people in your life, your children, your grandparents, your neighbours, your friends. We all know someone who's involved in or attends a local community group or project. They need our help and so we need yours and we've set achievable fundraising targets against each run. So what are you waiting for? Book your Forever Manchester Charity Run Place today and run for round here and join our runners, raising money so that together we can support fantastic communities and projects across Greater Manchester. He's just doing his, he's got his sauce orders and everything yeah. within there. That's some beef rendang. You want to try some? Yeah. We've got a spoon. So this is a beef rendang. Oh, delish. So it's cooked for about three hours. It's a classic Malaysian dish. So there's a sweet, the first thing you'll taste is a bit of sweetness, and then the heat will come through afterwards, and it kind of warms you up. It goes down very well at festivals. Serves that with rice and roti. Uh, you got your dinner? No, no, no. You have. You can. You can take that. So what we've been trying to. We're trying to perfect the cook-off. We've, we bought this oven, a cooker, which you cook under. You can cook under pressure. A cook-off. It's a beast. Have you ever seen? Um, did you ever watch Breaking Bad? So our chef, who's in charge of the kitchen, he's a little bit like Walter White, and the beef rendang is our is our blue crystal meth. <laughs> That's it, it's the it's the hardest thing to cook. It's a it's a living it's a kind of living beast uh, of a of a, of a thing. Yeah. So. Uh, because yeah. we're a charity that makes a difference to the lives of local people in yeah. our communities. Yes, I got pretty hooked on the fact that you took some kids who could tell you how to break into tell you how to break into a car. Oh, twocking, twocking, and aggravated twocking, and basically said, "Listen, there's another way. Why don't you work hard and and, and get a life?" And yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact that you know you can, yes. it's not just jobs; it's caring as well. Definitely. So, so that's of interest to yes. me. Do you get any celebs in your pads? Uh, we do. We had um, uh, what was very nice a few years ago. I got a phone call from um, from someone uh, saying they're going to get married at the town hall and uh, could they have their wedding reception at Tampopo Albert Square. Right. And at that stage, we'd never shut the restaurants, but um, found out after a few chats that it was actually Clint Boone from the Spiral Carpets. Right. So Clint and his lovely wife, Charlie, got married in Tampopo Albert Square and we, we closed the restaurant it was a lovely lovely occasion and it, it was their favourite it's their favourite restaurant still come back so yeah they're big uh, they're big fans so it Brilliant. was it was lovely and Tony Wilson was a massive fan actually he was a very very good supporter of us um, he ran you remember he ran in the city yeah. event and he basically used our office uh 
uh, used our office, Freudian slip there, he used our restaurant as his office uh, in, in when it was in the city. So he'd, he'd take up in the corner of the restaurant and uh, a stream of people would come and have chats and interviews. The other one was Ian Brown. When Ian Brown, don't you recall, a few years ago, he, he, he got in a little bit of trouble, don't you recall that? And uh, he was uh, he had to attend somewhere for about two weeks in right. town. That's all I reveal. And he used to come and have his veggie ramen with us and he used to sit alongside his partner so instead of opposite he used to sit alongside his partner which is not the usual way to sit as a couple but um some people come into the restaurant and still do it and and i say to my team if it's if ian brown does it so can anyone else <laughs> you know it was, uh, but he used to come about three o'clock in the afternoon with his dark glasses on and uh, eat his ramen it was it tickled me anyway so with me now is a gentleman by the name of david fox and you might know david's brands tampopo being one so he's a restaurateur and we're going to find out all about him there in this chat today so can i just say david fox welcome to forever manchester meets Thank you very much. Very glad to be here. I read somewhere quite recently that you're not a Mancunian. No, I'm not. I'm uh, my origins are Yorkshire, so I'm a York, Yorkshireman by by background. So uh, yeah, very much uh, the other side of the Pennines. We won't say whether it's the wrong side or the right side, but uh, it's fair to say I've lived here 21 years, and um, as I say to many people, I've been manked. I don't quite feel a, an immigrant, <laughs> um, and in, enjoy the, the the wet rain that we get over here, and uh, no, very very much in. in enjoy it and uh, my parents actually my dad's from Yorkshire he sadly passed away last year but they moved over to Manchester about three or four years ago and I can remember kind of over analyzing how how different Yorkshire is from from Manchester and and I do feel strongly that there's some big differences and uh, um, I, I think I'm far more comfortable on this side of the Pennines on their kind of outlook on life and the way they they deal with things uh, I think it's a, a great place to, to live I'm very proud that my children have been born and brought up here Whereabouts in Yorkshire were you born? Uh, well, no. So I was I was actually born in, in West Africa, but lived in Wakefield uh, for most of my childhood. West um, Africa. Yeah, my dad was a as a was he kind of started as a miner. Okay. Kind of the old left school at sixteen, worked in the mines, got a few qualifications, and then went out to work in in India, and then went to Nigeria and met met my mother, who was a school teacher over there, and they spent twenty five years over there, of which I spent about thirteen, and have very fond memories of it. Um, but uh, haven't haven't been haven't been back uh, as an adult. Um, but one of my brothers has. So uh, yeah. School. Go say to school. Yeah. Childhood. School. School memories. Primary memories. Were you a sporty type? Of yeah. Just, yeah. Just, I was. A, I was generally a kind of happy kid. Enjoyed. Enjoyed playing sport. Enjoyed messing about. Enjoyed doing a bit of work. And so all of the above. It was. It was. Uh, yeah. I'd had a happy childhood. Whether that was over in West Africa. My mum was a school teacher over there. So for part of my primary, I was over there. Um, at the same school as my mum and then when we came back uh, uh, very much enjoyed being a kid Brilliant what about, are, you, are you a sporty guy a sporty person what about secondary school was it Played, football, uh, played, played a bit of, played a bit of rugby. Played a bit of, uh, play a funny game called rugby fives. Um, and one of the good things about coming to Manchester is there's actually two glassback rugby fives courts at the Y Club on Liverpool Road. Mm-hmm. So that's still my main kind of pastime. I've done a few Manchester 10Ks over the years, Tatton 10Ks, um, and it's fair to say I enjoy running them. I don't enjoy training for them. <laughs> I'm not a born runner. 
Um, and then five side footy of a, a group of dads and kids we play um, down at Huff End uh, and play there on a Sunday night and that's been really nice playing with my eldest is about to turn 18 and it's been nice playing with him from 15 up and he's now can be fair to say now he's faster quicker and you know all of the above better than me on the football pitch um, is it competitive uh, it's it's it's, it's nicely social, it's, it's socially it's socially competitive um, but it's, <laughs> it's fair to say I've, I now probably don't enjoy having to, to mark, mark him because he'll, he runs rings around me and uh, when I'm telling him to put the dishwasher away uh, when I get back to home it kind of slightly compromises that sense of authority but maybe that's my own insecurities there <laughs> OK, how do we get from school in Yorkshire to did you go to further education, university? Or? Yeah, so I went, to, uh, I went to university down in Exeter and then I moved to London and I lived in London for nine years, uh, and I I actually t- I trained uh, as an accountant, became uh, a qualified accountant, uh, and enjoyed that. But it was I kind of thought it, I knew that was something that I didn't really want to do for the rest of my life. I fancied the idea of having a go at running my own business in something that I thought that I'd enjoy doing. And I'd done some cooking schools in in, in Italy actually, and a couple in Southeast Asia, uh, and hooked up with with a friend. And we set around a couple of years looking into uh, opening a restaurant and um, eventually realised that we couldn't really afford to open in London. There was a huge risk factor there. And we kind of thought, what regional city do we think would accommodate you know, what we were trying to do? And we chose Manchester because we thought Manchester had was probably the most open-minded city in terms of uh, its interest in kind of new things. It was, you know, there was a big Chinatown, there's a big Asian, you know, the Curry Mile. So the the appetite uh, to try new food, I think we felt was greater at Manchester. I think that's certainly proven to be the case in terms of other regional cities we've we've opened in. I think that the Manx are, are more more open-minded when it comes to trying new things. I read somewhere that the decision, or part of the decision to actually jump out of something that I suppose historically could have been seen as safe and secure, i.e. an accountancy yeah. job, it sort of dawned on you when your tax disc arrived for the motor car. Is, is that wrong? Or yeah, right? I think I'd, or? I'd, reached a level, I'd reached a level where I just... Um, uh, I got my first company car, and I can remember being very excited because I've never, and uh, to this day, never have since ever got a new car. And uh, the car came, and then, uh, however many months later, I got um, my tax disc through the internal mail, and I thought this, this is this is starting to become a bit dangerous, you know, in terms of the comfort and the ease of everything. I thought if I, if I, you know, if I don't jump now, and I, I, I never will. As kind of the, the, the benefits of those kind of jobs brings you and uh, so very very glad I did but it was fun. all I mean I suppose it was all relatively safe and secure yes yeah yeah no it, it was and actually I had a, I had an offer to go and work out in Indonesia um, in because uh, I'd always had a, a an interest in that part of the world and I ended up getting married uh, the same week that we opened the restaurant Oh, that was clever. Uh, that move, wasn't it, it was well. So, as you can imagine, the, the the date to get married was set, and the date to open the restaurant was about four months before we were going to get married. Right. And in true new site opening fashion, the, the the date for the restaurant got delayed and delayed and delayed until so, the week of the wedding. Yes. So we got married on a uh, on a Monday, a bank holiday Monday in Belfast. My wife's from Northern Ireland, um, and the restaurant opened the following Saturday. So we ended up. Uh, 
coming up here and I ended up renting a house just off part next to the Ox Noble or the Ox as it's now called I think on Liverpool Road and um, yeah the joke with my wife was you, I could have either gone over to Indonesia where I think the, the, the type of job I was doing I probably would have got a, a company car and a driver and a and a house and, and a helicopter all, 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 in. All, all, the, all the above but uh, I got a, a terraced house with no, with no car yeah. <laughs> and my wife had got a job as a Miller nurse working out in Ashton She's a member of the nurse by background or by, by profession. Um, so she had to walk across town and get the bus up to, to Ashton every day whilst we were you know, a little bit skint trying to set up a new business. So go on, the realisation that you don't want to be an accountant anymore and you don't want the safety and the security of the job. What happened? Did you just get up and say, right, I'm going? Or did you sit down with a mate and have a pint? Or what? what? So Take I, me through that process because so this is the fascinating bit. This, this is the bit that inspires others. So that, so basically it was, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do, you know, let's open. And at the time there were a few kind of restaurants. I mean, this was a kind of, this was in the days of, you know, Pizza Land and I think Pizza Express was going, but this was in the, you know, I think in, in Manchester when we opened, there was the Dutch Pancake House, there was Grinch, there was Pizza Express, there were, there were a handful of restaurants that w- which was what you'd call the kind of the, the industry jargon is kind of casual dining so not not it's not a posh meal out it's more a kind of quick bite to eat um and that's the kind of market we were going for the kind of the business idea behind that was that the belief was as it's proven to be that there's a growth in interest of people wanting to eat out so this is a, a market that's growing so can you come up with something that that we think would would suit that and southeast asian food in particular hadn't really been done in any uh, to, to any huge extent um apart from obviously you've got the chinatowns and the and say curry marlin but ours was an evolution of being kind of more pan-asian or southeast asian um and it was one of those over a pint, um, well, should we look into it? Well, how much do you think we'd need to raise? How much do you think we'd need to take? What would the menu be? Um, how many people would it need? What kind of site would it be? Would it be a, you know, 1,000 square feet or a 5,000 square feet? And then how much would that cost? And then what kit would we need? And we worked with a couple of chefs along the way. And then before you know it, you're starting to pull together a kind of business plan and thinking, right, we might need, I think we needed a, a couple of hundred thousand pounds to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was single at the time, no kids, and I'd saved about £10,000, uh, and, and my business partner had done the same, so we ended up raising money through um, a group of kind of friends and family, and borrowed a bit of money from the bank, um, and then we were looking at sites, actually, and then the, the, the bomb went off. The uh, um, IRA bomb? Yeah, and that was potentially... There was a site we we were look, looking at on John Dalton Street. Then the bomb went off, and then all agreements were off the table because no one really knew what was going to happen. We were still keen to look, and that delayed it another few months. Uh, and then someone said, "Oh, there's a physiotherapist clinic uh, on the other side of Albert Square. Would you like to have a look at that?" And we had a look round. The size fit, felt okay, and one thing led to another and then suddenly you've got the, this lease on a site and uh, you're, you're cracking on so it was lots of incremental steps before you then got there I think and, and that's sure it's the same with anything you kind of and, and loads of hurdles along the way that you've just got to try and force your way through or around we had a situation with the extraction where because there's offices above the landlord said you can only extract to the roof but then the listed buildings officer said you can't extract to the roof because it's a listed building. Um, and I said, what, what am I going to do? And I can remember speaking to my dad about it, and he said, why don't you just write a letter to your councillor and explain? Because I think it goes to the councillors for approval. And they ended up saying, well, you can, we'll let you build it to the roof, 
but you need to paint it so it's the same colour as the building, uh, which which we did. But that's a classic one. If we hadn't arrived at a solution... It would have been a no deal. It would have been a no deal. And uh, it would have been two years' worth of work kind of done. But when I say work, it was it was a kind of a hobby as well. It was like, you know, a little project. Um, and so we were enjoying the journey of doing that. What about your partner? What, what was his background? What did so he, he do? So he was ex... Uh, he used to work in marketing so he kind of came with the kind of marketing uh, angle so I knew him from uni uh, he lived in London but he moved up to Manchester as well um, and we ran the business together for about 15 years uh, but he's now moved on so I now run it on my own okay um, but yeah we worked together for 15 years on it so when you were setting up the first restaurant in Albert Square were you in no man's land? One of you was an accountant, the other was a marketeer. Where did the pan interest in Pan Asian from? Where it was yeah from travel from uh, traveling around Southeast Asia. I've been lucky enough, kind of post university, to travel around there. Always love cooking, and uh, like I said, I've done some cooking schools in Southeast Asia, in Indonesia, um, and in Thailand, and um, and then I'd also done a cooking school in a bit oddly in, in Umbria but, but yeah, Umbria you, you're cooking pasta there's noodles there there's a big kind of overlap of, of the origin of pasta and, and, and noodles and I'd done some work at some noodle bars in London um, there was a, a, a ramen house in the city of London and I've managed to get a part-time job in there and they were actually quite helpful with me and actually a few years later one of the chefs from there came and worked for us for a while so but it's fair to say yes we were wet, a bit wet behind the ears and um, we'd actually done in terms of coming up with a name Tampopo we'd done a like a naming uh, what would you call it a kind of exercise and, and a graphics exercise with Manchester Met the graphics department of Manchester Met um, and coming out of that they, they did it effectively as part of a university project where they came and presented their ideas on names and design uh, graphics of that but what was lovely is some of the people that there were students there ended up coming to work for us uh, in the restaurant as waiting on staff and I'm still in touch with some of them to this day so they, 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 got, they got involved with that, yes, that, yeah. that whole it's dawning on me that this was far more careful than it was carefree yes I think it, we were we were organised and I think the advice to anyone here is yeah you've just got to consider you know always think about what what are the potential things that can go wrong and it's about it's not about being risk-free it's about how you mitigate those risks as much as possible and that's the real thing so that you have to be you have to be careful but you also have to there's an element of risk in every single step of the way do you think that people who come to work under the uh, for Tampopo or any of the other restaurants under your umbrella have you, is there a sense of family in there is it just just generating jobs or is it is it a little bit more socially aware than that I think it's all of the above and I think the reality is you, you, you in, in terms of running something like Tampopo there were people who will kind of interact with you you know we had a Japanese guy that came here on a two-year visa because he loves he loves Manchester music and he came and very much became part of the family but then after two years he's gone back to Japan but he's come you know he's come came to Manchester for many reasons and and, and working in the restaurant environment was was enabled him to embrace the kind of culture and vibe of Manchester and, and enjoy that we get students coming but equally you know there's a guy called Kaz he's a Japanese guy um, I met him in 96 
um, the year before we opened the restaurant and he fell in love with his now wife who's from Manchester and moved over to Manchester, didn't speak much English, um, came and worked with us as a, as a chef, ended up growing to being a head chef. He's retired from being a head chef and he now works front of house with us in our restaurant and he's been with us 21 years. Um, and so it's the whole kind of range and everyone in between. All my managers and general managers and head chefs have been with me at least five, six, seven years. So we've got a really good, stable mm. team. So other than worrying about having to set up and establish a business, did you have to learn any new skills? Did you find yourself doing any new jobs that... Jobs that you'd never dreamt that you would ever do. The reality is, I think, when you work in your own business, and I'm sure, in particular, small businesses, I'm sure anyone out there that does that, you know, you, you end up having to do everything. And whether that's you know washing the pots, whether that's cleaning the glasses, whether that's dealing with customers when everything goes right, and then dealing with customers when everything you know things don't go right. Um, the other big thing is is just the people side. It's a huge people responsibility, and the same applies really with anyone who um, has people working for them. And the same applies to my you know my general manager and head chefs. You know, one they're you know they're a parent, they're a teacher, they're a buddy, they're a mentor. Sometimes have to be uh, a police a policeman, a woman, and um, it's all of the above. And being engaged in that on one level can be frustrating but it genuinely is one of the most rewarding aspects of, of of what I do and that gives me a buzz and hospitality I think is a is a a beautiful place in terms of bringing lots of people from lots of different backgrounds with lots of different skill sets the social skill sets that a chef requires to someone in the front of house is, is quite different and and then the skill sets that they have to then interact with each other is quite different and the the, the craft skills or the culinary skills that are required of a chef is is very different from what's required of, you know front of yeah, yeah. I've, I think I've said this before. You're, you're dealing with with a wide range of people, and, and a number of whom weren't given the how can you put it? weren't given the kind of educational opportunities. Uh, opportunities, and that generally doesn't mean that they're not they're not bright. More often than not, they're sharp as a button and, and brighter than many people that have better edu- you know better qualifications. And uh, the, the skill is empowering them and getting them to have that kind of belief that they mm. that they can can do things and also giving them the opportunity to transform themselves into the people that they're entitled to be Uh, absolutely absolutely and that whole idea of kind of you know giving them the belief that they can do it is not to put too fine a point of it i think it's one of the most rewarding things about doing this kind of job really brilliant I've noticed off, and I could be wrong, but I've noticed that you've got an establishment in London, you've got an establishment in Reading. We had one in Leeds, we had one in Reading, we had one in Bristol. Those are all now closed. We closed those three or four years ago uh, over a period of time. It's fair to say it was various reasons. The landlord wanted the rent to go up by 50 plus percent at a few of the sites. Um, but for, for some reason, Manchester people get us and understand what we are and really like what we do. Um, so now we've just got the one site in London and that that's quite in, in a funny way that's quite easy because there's a train every 20 minutes I can travel off peak so I'm not paying an, uh, an arm and a leg to get down there and back um, and it's uh, about a 10 minute walk from Euston Station just off Oxford Street and uh, that works well for us so since closing those I've opened more in Manchester I've opened downstairs at a kiosk called East Street in the Traffic Centre and one on Piccadilly Gardens. Part of your original plan was it they all seem to be student conurbations was 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 students on the radar was it was it affordable food that students would enjoy yes students is a is is a is a target market or is you know is 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 part of our customer base but the reality is i think you know we're we're i suppose our core market is is 18 to 
really 18 to 40 and it's your kind of your office worker so the reality is would you know does the students well interesting question would the students have the budget to eat out frequently at that price point or would a 25 year old something office worker who, who can't be bothered to cook at home but in their first job would they have the the, the income to, to eat there and, and I'd, I think it's probably the real target customer base is you'd, you're probably your 25 to 25 to 35 rather than the student market okay so the student market is one spoke on the wheel Correct. but there are other spokes on the wheel absolutely it's all fascinating yeah. stuff out of all of your experiences over, over and i'm sorry throughout your opening hours over yeah many years now is there any one standout moment do you think we've gone home and gone i just don't believe what happened tonight is there anything that like a rare occasion or something outrageous or uh, i've there's a guy who i won't embarrass him but years ago we had one of our chefs and he and i think he lived in a, a high kind of block of flats with his mum and dad i think his mum and dad both had disabilities um, we gave him a 25p pay rise um, back in you know 98 and uh, he was one of these kids that was slightly you know disengaged with you know mainstream society really and we were probably his you know second or third job and he'd probably been fired from the, all the all the other jobs and um, he we gave him a 25p pay rise and he said that is the first time anyone has ever said well done in any way to me in my life <laughs> so it's quite an emotional moment really and and there was this kind of realization particularly if if you know you're not you're not exposed to that that's that's the real world for a lot of people and that's where i think you know finding work and finding something that you enjoy and and the opportunity to progress can be a real source of self-belief and you know fulfillment and what was lovely then about six months later i think he came in and he'd i think he brought a new he'd bought a new jacket and he came in with his girlfriend had a meal and a beer and i think you know six months ago he would have never comprehended that he would almost like he would be allowed to do that or had the you know right to do that and and he's then kind of you know someone who's engaged in society and in the world and and he went on to work in one of the hotels and uh i'm you know i'd sincerely hope and I'm sure that he's he's doing well now so it's little moments like that that have been special we had Yuri Geller in that was another one back in the late 90s and I'm he, not going to crack any gags about the spoons <laughs> and well he bent the spoons he bent some spoons <laughs> in the restaurant and it and it worked and uh, so I've seen it in in real life and it was one of our spoons unless he was very clever and found out what kind of spoon we had in and advance. brought us in advance which I very much doubt um, so uh, yeah no we've had some uh, interesting people in over the years we had uh, David Beckham and Posh Spice came in Mm-hmm. one year after a Champions League game and true story this one of my chefs we'd, we'd literally just closed but he said oh could you sit us down and the, the chef that was cleaning up was a Leeds fan and he said I'm not cooking him any food <laughs> um, so one of the other chefs who'd actually got changed said oh, well, I'll, I'll make some food so he cooked a meal for David and Victoria and at the time we were selling pictures on the wall and they bought a picture and uh, left with this picture but about three days later in the um, I think in the sun it's, there was a headline in saying Posh and Bex eat some noodles and then spend oodles on a doodle because it was like a bit of modern art but it was quite scary how th- this kind of storyline appeared That's modern a- media. A- out, of, out of nowhere yeah and you thought I did feel sorry for them just exhausting they're not allowed to do anything not without really. being commenting not on really. and, and judged and talking so, of many years yeah. you've been at this now for many years how 
how do you ride with things like recession? Do they have a big impact on you? Obviously, they have a big impact on everybody. So yeah, it is. It is hard. And I've been through been through a few. Uh, the, the, the challenge is is so you know most recently, and you've seen it's probably well documented that the loads of restaurants have closed, and it's been the perfect storm of there was a massive rates increase a lot of landlords only putting the rent up uh, retail's taking a battering on the high street uh, so there's a move to on- online which means I know people probably think town's very busy um, but if it's 5% less busy that's 5% less people that are probably eating out um, when Brexit happened or the Brexit vote happened the exchange rate changed a lot which meant a lot of um, f- and food in particular uh, in the supermarkets uh, and for us became a lot more expensive so you had this kind of whammy of uh, oversupply slowdown in consumer you know what people wanting to go out and, and shop and buy and at the same time as your price is going up and th- the reality is you can only address that by just focusing on every single element of of your business at the la- the very last thing you should be trying to do is pass the cost on to your customer so trying to work out other ways to, to mitigate that um, and that's something that we've I'd like to think we've done fairly well over the last few years but it's it's a constant I think Marco Pierre White supposedly said running a good restaurant is doing a hundred little things really well um, and so it's it's lots of little things that, that make up the kind of experience and good luck to you and keep, you've got to keep it going obviously yes. yeah, yeah. the challenge is, to, yeah. keep, is yeah. to keep it going I'm going to round up with a few just Manchester generalisations from a now well adopted Mancunian Mm-hmm. Favorite Manchester building? My favorite Manchester building. Mm. I, I like the, the, the Midlanders. I think it's a great. It's a, it feels it's a good, great institutional building, and obviously the town the town hall right next to me. I think uh, and the plans for the town hall are going to be quite interesting over the next few years. Hopefully, they're going to pedestrianise the square and uh, really, really, it'll go to a next level of uh, attraction. I think. Other than Tampopo, your favorite Manchester restaurant? Favorite? Uh, well, I like the. Uh, I know the the Unabombers, and they've got um, Volta in West. Didsbury, so that's one out of town, and uh, and in town, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a soft spot for the Northern Quarter restaurant. Um, a good old, again, it's been around a while, but a, you know, neighbourhood restaurant that does does what it does pretty well every time I go. Did we ever get around to selling you into any Manchester music? And if so, have you got any favourite Manchester music or Manchester bands? Well, I was lucky enough to go and see Stone Roses at Heaton, at Heaton Park a, a few years ago. My younger brother was, was a massive Stone Roses fan when uh, he was younger. I like the Stone Roses, but I think it's fair to say I've come to it a bit late, and uh, that was the closest thing to a mass religious experience I've ever been to, and uh, it was uh, very, very very good to be part of it. I think Fool's Gold is definitely one of my Desert Island disc tracks. I think it's. Uh, I think what I say to people is that Fool's Gold is is. is there's beauty uh, all over the world and interesting things, but sometimes you can find it right on your doorstep because, you know, a few local lads producing a song like that is pretty special. And, David, finally, have you got a favourite Mancunian? Favourite Mancunian? Well, I got in terms of a, a, a historical Mancunian has to be Tony Wilson. Um, in terms of current, I think it's got to be... Is, is he allowed to be a Mancunian or is, is uh, Clint Boone? I think he's a bit of a... bit it's of a greater Mancunian. Yeah. He's allowed. <laughs> yes, he's, allowed. He's, a, he's a bit of a dude. And again, a, he's a classic kind of... He's, a, he's an advocate of the city. He's great on the radio and uh, he lights up the room when he comes in and kind of very generous, generously spirited person. Listen, it's been lovely to talk to you. May we wish you every success with the ongoing success of Tampopo and its sister restaurants and any other things that you like to get involved with. And thank you very much for coming to chat to us. Thank you very much. I very much enjoyed it. Cheers. Thank you. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Forever Manchester Meets, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and like and subscribe us with a nice five-star review. If you want to find out more about Forever Manchester and the work that we do in Greater Manchester, please check us out at forevermanchester.com or follow us on the usual social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are at Forever Manchester. Nice one. For happy days. For amazing ways. For people who care. For people who dare. For great opportunities. For amazing communities. For a hand up, not a handout. For you. For me. For everybody. Forever Manchester. Let's do something extraordinary. Join the movement. ForeverManchester.com. Forever